Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network on this Thursday morning, February 29th. Well, we don't get to say that a lot. Let's begin our morning in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful morning it is. Uh, I can't wait to tell you about last night. We'll have to do that later in the show because we've got a lot going on today. I was able to go see the movie Radiating Joy, the Michelle DePong story. Um, and it, uh, wow. I, I, all I'm going to say right now is wow. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about family. We're going to be talking about the Holy Family. Uh, marriage is a divine institution. We're going to be hearing from Father Bernhard about marriage. As marriage goes, so goes the nation. Father Altier is going to challenge us to recognize our sins of omission. And uh, we're also going to check in with Father Skillman. It's uh, Thursday, so it's Redemptor Ominous Day as we talk about the Redeemer of Man. That's all ahead on Roadmap to Heaven. But first, let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Pope Hilarius or St. Hilary. Born on the island of Sardinia in what is now Italy, by the middle of the 5th century, he was serving as a papal legate to Pope Leo I and attempting to resolve numerous disputes with the Eastern Church. In 449, Hilary was sent east to the Second Council of Ephesus, which was called by Theodosius II and carried with him an important letter from Pope Leo, but that letter was never read. This was a critical moment in time in the growing split between the Eastern and the Western Church, In the East, Nestorius was rejecting Mary as the mother of God. Eutyches was claiming Jesus' true nature to be a fusion of human and the divine. And all this was set in a growing power battle between Constantinople and Rome. And for his part, Hillary got involved in an extremely contentious conflict, which challenged the papacy of Leo and went back to Rome to apologize to Leo for failing to deliver his letter. Ultimately, Pope Leo I denounced Nestorius, Eutyches, and labeled the Second Council of Ephesus the Robber Synod. In 461, Hilary succeeded Leo as Pope and continued the assertion of his predecessor that the Bishop of Rome is the leader of all the Church. As Pope, he would define the role of the Church when working within an empire, defend the authority of the bishops, and he would build numerous churches. He died on this day in 498 and is buried in the Basilica of St. Lawrence outside the walls in Rome. St. Pope Hilarius, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Catholic Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. You know I like to talk about redemptive suffering, and last night I went and saw a movie that was all about the power of redemptive suffering, and, uh, you know, Patty Schneier invited me, and I wanted to capture our reaction last night to share it with you this morning. So we did, and I'm happy to share that with you now. 
So this is a new Roadmap to Heaven thing, field recording on an iPhone, and I'm Adam Wright, and I literally just finished watching a movie that Patty Schneier told me I had to see. It's called Radiating Joy, the Michelle DePong story. Uh, we've been talking about it on the show, and I'm, I'm literally standing in the movie theater right now with Patty after the film has finished. And first, I just want to say thank you, Patty, but what an incredible story this is. We just heard you've seen this film before. You told us we had to come see it. And I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm struggling for words reacting to this, but it, tell us a little bit about this beautiful story we just saw. Well, um, the story of Michelle Dupong, Servant of God, is a story for our time. It's for all of us. And it's the story of a beautiful, beautiful, faithful soul who wanted to do nothing more than bring people to Jesus. And then it was through her suffering that she did so in an incredible way. And then just to hear all the people that were touched by her life, um, it just inspires you. That's all I can say. And, and when I heard that Focus was going to be showing this movie one night only here in St. Louis, I just called as many people as I could and said, come on, you got to see this movie. So we had a great turnout here tonight of many people. So many here are from Focus, but other people as well from the Archdiocese and beyond. And it was just awesome. I cried again. I Like I said, yes, I've seen the movie, but I did. I cried again, just so inspired by her life of holiness. And if we could all just be a little bit like a modern-day saint, oh my gosh, what a beautiful world it would be. You know, if, there, if there's one thing that was said in this film that I want to make sure I don't forget, it's uh, what her spiritual director said, that all of Jesus' miracles, as great as they were, were all to draw us in to trust him because the greatest work he ever accomplished was when he was hanging on the cross and all he could do was blink, physically was blink his eyes. And it, that, that really struck me, and I'm going to be processing that for days. And you know, you know that I love to talk about redemptive suffering. I love to talk about how we can use these things to be transformed and how God can work through them. But just that thought that every, every good thing he's doing in our life is to draw us and to trust him to that one thing that's going to be the hardest thing we ever do, and that's to be on the cross with him. And then he also said, and to also to trust that we are never alone when we are on the cross. And Michelle, you could really see it through her life that she had Jesus just radiating through her, with her, in her. She knew she wasn't alone um, in her suffering, and that's why she had such joy. Yeah, this has really been an incredible evening. I hope there's going to be a chance in the future for more people to see this film. But And I'm sure we're going to be talking about it on episodes of Roadmap to Heaven for days and weeks to come, this, this power of suffering as we go through this season of Lent. But I just want to remind everyone, uh, myself included, don't hide from the cross. Don't run from the cross. Trust in our Lord. Embrace the cross and ask him to transform your life. It's a very difficult ask because it means we have to be ready for what comes with the cross. Uh, but I, I give thanks for Michelle's witness and for everyone who made it possible to see that witness tonight. It was truly a great experience. Next up, we are going to talk about family. One of the things that was powerful about Michelle's story was the, the power of the witness of her family and their part of her story. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. 
if you've ever run a 5K or really any race where they have mile markers or kilometer markers, there's a certain joy in running the race, but there's also a certain joy in getting to those mile markers that let you know the end is in sight and you relish the, that last distance because you know you're going to be finished soon, but you know that you still have some to soak in. And that's kind of where we're at. We're getting near the end of the encyclical, The Redeemer of Man with Father David Skillman, but there's still plenty left to relish. And Father, I know uh, last week we were talking about how pertinent the writings of St. John Paul II almost 40 years ago are, actually more than 40 years ago in this encyclical, are for us today and the conversations we're having in our culture as we talk about secularism, as we talk about the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, the role of the state, the role of man— And today we're going to get into the church's mission and man's destiny. So uh, take it away, Father. Great, yeah. So just to kind of recap the overall um, structure of this encyclical as we come into the final part, we began with John Paul reflecting back on what we have inherited um, over the history of the church, but uh, most immediately from his predecessor, Pope, now St. Paul VI. And then he moved into a reflection um, just on the heart of the church's life, which is the person of Jesus Christ uh, in the section called the mystery of redemption. Then in the most recent section that we concluded last week, he looked at the modern world and kind of the situation, what's happening right now in the world. And now he's going to conclude by laying out what he sees as the church's mission in response to the realities, having read the signs of the times, if you will, how are we called as the church to respond and to live in these times. And so he refocuses first on the person of Christ. He reminds us that Christ united himself with each man. This was a common theme, kind of a foundational theme at the beginning, that each human person um, is significant in the eyes of Christ and learns something from Jesus about what it means to be human. And he says, if this is true of Christ, we could say of Christ, the bridegroom, then it's also true of his bride, the church, that she must be united with each man. This is the church's mission, to be concerned for man's vocation in Christ. And he points out in particular that Christ came into the world, he became incarnate, he suffered and died on the cross, he rose from the dead in order to give us supernatural life, to raise us up, to share in the divine nature. So there's this call to, yes, we're looking at our situation in the world today, But ultimately, the church's mission is to remind us and to give us that life that goes beyond this temporal world, that supernatural life of grace. And he calls this a treasure, this treasure of life in the spirit. And he says, seeking to see man, as it were, with the eyes of Christ himself, the church becomes more and more aware that she is the guardian of a great treasure, which she may not waste, but must continually increase. And this treasure is defined in his words as humanity enriched by the inexpressible mystery of divine filiation and the grace of adoption as sons. A lot of words that basically mean what I said there a moment ago, that we have been given a share in divine life. We've been have given the privilege of becoming sons and daughters of God, and Christ gave us the church as the guardian of this treasure and gave the church the mission of Um, expanding the family of God, bringing more and more men and women into this supernatural family of God and more and more men and women, therefore, uh, into the life that leads to heaven, to eternal life. And he points out here, and this will kind of then 
provide the framework for the final part of the encyclical, that the church does this, continues this work, guards this treasure, increases this treasure um, by sharing in Christ's three offices. And this is kind of fundamental um, Catholic theology that was very prominent in the Vatican Vatican II. You read it often in the Catechism, that Christ was priest, prophet, and king. And so the next three sections, he's going to take these one by one and explore what this looks like in the life of the church today. How is the church today called to live the prophetic office of Christ, the priestly office of Christ, and the kingly office of Christ? And therefore, how are we called to live that as members of of the church? I'm really glad that he starts off this section talking about how uh, Christ has united himself with each man, as you quoted St. John Paul II, because so often we think of the church as, well, you know, the bishop's doing that, or, or the mm-hmm. bishop and the priests are doing that, or, or the curia offices are doing that, or, or the diocese is mm-hmm. doing that, and that's the church. Well, the administration of the diocese is certainly its own organization of people under the bishop, with the priests, and whatnot, but that's not the church. The church is each and every one of us baptized into the church, uh, and we have this mission, and we're going to be sent out on mission And I don't think, Father, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not a coincidence that he's wrapping up talking now about mission Mm -hmm. and sending us out as we do with the Mass each and every time we go to Mass. Right, yeah, and this word vocation that he's going to repeat throughout this section, this idea that we have a call from the Lord, or we could say a mission, you know, as members of his body, as members of the Church, none of us are exempt from living this uh, threefold office of Christ as priest, prophet, and king. Well, there you have it. And until next week, we're so happy that Father David Skillman could be with us to talk about the Redeemer of Man and St. John Paul II. A prayer to the Archangel Gabriel. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, we beseech thee, do thou intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that, as thou didst announce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, so through thy prayers and patronage in heaven, we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. I remember when Father Jeffrey Kirby first released A Year with the Popes. I had the great pleasure of speaking with him on Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. And I thought, this is a book that I really can't wait to dig into and reflect upon. And Patty, I'm so glad I was able to share that with you, and now you are able to share that with all of us. And I can't wait for our Daily Dose of Encouragement on this Thursday. Well, I'm just sharing nuggets that I've gleaned from this great book, A Year with the Pope. So, And I like to pick ones that I'd never heard of. Have you ever heard of Pope Galatius I? I had not. Well, Pope Galatius I was the 49th Pope He was elected Pope at age 82 in the year 492. So he's 82 years old in the year 492, and he was only a Pope for four years until his death in 496. He was one of the few African Popes and is responsible for establishing the Feast of St. Valentine on February 14th. 
He was one of the most prolific authors of the early bishops of Rome with over 100 letters and six treatises surviving. Living in the aftermath of the fall of the Roman Empire, again, 492, that's after the fall of Rome, Father Kirby writes, there was widespread confusion concerning the authority of the church and that of the state. In response, Pope Galatius I addressed the question and gave us the instrumental principle of the two swords. With this principle, the Pope clarified that there are two swords, namely two powers in society, the church and the state. These powers must be distinct, but work together for the well-being of humanity. I liked learning about this Pope because some 1,525 years later, we are still facing challenges and confusion over the church and the state in our country, in countries all throughout the world. So let's just pray that the two would work together. I know it seems impossible, right, that the church would actually work with the state and the state would actually work with the church, but it doesn't have to be. And we can certainly pray for our civil leaders today to be godly, moral, and true, just as we continue to pray for our church leaders to be the same. But this all goes back, church and state, they are separate, they are distinct, but we need to try to have them work together. And that goes back to Pope Galatius I in the year 492. So yeah, some things might take a long time to work out, but we're still working those things out. And again, this history gives us a little bit of perspective about what we're dealing with today. This week has contained some great insight for us as we've looked at some of these lesser-known popes. But, Patty, I have to say one of the other things I've enjoyed about this week are the names of these popes as well, names I never would have thought of, never had heard of before. And it just makes me stop and take notice. And then when we stop to take that notice, we find their wisdom as well. Thank you for today's dose of encouragement. Well, what a 12 hours, 13 hours it's been. Uh, it, it Really, last night, I have to tell you, the, the impression it left on me hearing Michelle DePong's story back at Seek uh, was one thing. Seeing the film and, and even more testimony about the way she lived her life uh, is just something incredible. If you'd like to learn more about Servant of God Michelle Dupong and the cause for her canonization and her witness in her life, you can go to Michelle Dupong Cause, and that's uh, Michelle with two L's, and then Dupong is D-U-P-P-O-N-G, michelledupongcause.org, and you can learn more about her. But here's the lesson for all of us this Lenten season, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, the road to heaven, I don't have the exact roadmap because I'm just a guy walking on the road with you. But I know, and the church teaches, that the road map to heaven is going to take us by the foot of the cross, and we are going to have our crosses that we are going to have to carry. Are we going to carry them with joy, or are we going to drag them begrudgingly, complaining along the way? Each and every moment of suffering in our life, whether it's from physical injury, emotional pain, whatever it may be, is an opportunity to grow closer to our Lord on the cross. And he reminds us that he will not leave us alone because if we're on the cross, 
he is on the cross with us. So, you know, maybe you go outside today and you say, it's really cold and now my hands hurt and my joints hurt or this up and down in the temperatures has my sinuses just going crazy and I've got pressure and discomfort. Okay, well, how can you use that? How can you be transformed by that? You know, and even better than how can you use it? How, how will you allow God to use that? Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you have lost a loved one recently. Maybe someone moved away, whatever it may be what, that's causing that emotional pain. How will you let God use that? Because he will if you let him. How can he use that in your life to transform you, to grow deeper in love with him? If we love Jesus, we love Jesus on the cross too. And that means when our crosses come, let's carry them, seeking the grace to carry them with great joy as they unite us to our Lord rather than just, oh, dragging it along saying, do I have to be, do I have to be on this cross? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget, tomorrow's First Friday. Go to Mass, receive our Lord in Holy Communion, and make prayers of reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. Saturday is our first Saturday. We're called to make a good confession. Go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, pray the Rosary, and meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the Rosary. Why not go to confession tomorrow? Be properly disposed for both days. And even if you're not in a state of mortal sin, have those graces of a good devotional confession. You can make it for Saturday's devotion anyway. Why not for tomorrow's? It'll work for both We'll have a roadmap roundup for you tomorrow on the first Friday with Dan Vonderhaar and Corey Grizzle and I and our first Friday reparation prayers. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.